ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರ ವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧಿಂತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತ ಶಾಂತ ಶಾಂತಿ ಗುರುರ್ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ಗುರುರ್ವಿಷ್ಣು ಗುರುರ್ದೇವೋ ಮಹೇಶ್ವರ ಗುರುರೇವ ಪರಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಪ್ಲೀಸ್ ಟ್ರೈ ರಿಪೀಟಿಂಗ್ ಇಟ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ಅಪ್ರಮೇಯೋ ಹೃಷಿಕೇಶ ಅಪ್ರಮೇಯೋ ಹೃಷಿಕೇಶ ಪದ್ಮನಾಭೋಮರ ಪ್ರಭು ವಿಶ್ವಕರ್ಮನುಸ್ತ್ವಷ್ಟ ವಿಶ್ವಕರ್ಮನುಸ್ತ್ವಷ್ಟ ಸ್ಥವಿಷ್ಠಸ್ಥವಿರೋಧ್ರುವ ಸ್ಥವಿರೋಧ್ರುವ ಇನ್ ಆರ್ಡರ್ ಟು ಸಿ ವಿ ರಿಕ್ವೈರ್ ಐಸ್ ಇನ್ ಆರ್ಡರ್ ಟು ಹಿಯರ್ ವಿ ರಿಕ್ವೈರ್ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ so these are the instruments through which we understand its realm of data that we receive we cannot taste through our eyes can we i thought he put this to tease me <clears throat> that for next one and a half hour i keep staring at it without even touching it so when you but my question was it may be a part but you cannot taste with your eyes you can only see with your eyes you cannot taste with your ears yes if you are a very good cook you don't need to taste with the smell and looking at the consistency you can tell that the product has come out good but if you want to talk about the taste of it it has to go through the tongue so each one there is one particular instrument that we understand that particular world through there are radio waves in this hall do you all agree there are radio waves with the five existing instruments of perception can you perceive those radio waves it would be fun right you sit anywhere you just have to turn that particular channel on and you are off you don't need to plug in any 
earphones or anything to listen to. You just have to tune yourself and then you can hear. We cannot. With these instruments, we cannot tune. We can hardly tune with it. We need a specific instrument to tune, whichever is designed for tuning into those radio waves. There are different kinds of radio waves. There are FM waves. There are AM. There are uh, short waves, SW. Then there is a radio wave even in our cell phones. Even the tags that you carry to your offices, they also have, the, the very name is called RFID, radio frequency ID. It emits a certain frequency which is read, validating it to your entry into that particular. So, you need that particular instrument to tune into that. Now, because we don't have that instrument, to claim that there are no radio waves would be quite a statement to make. The good part is we have these instruments and they have to be tuned into it. So, whether it is the organs of perception or the radio used for tuning into the radio waves, we need the right instrument to tune in to that particular frequency or that particular world of seeing, world of taste, world of smell, world of touch, various objects that we perceive. Paramatma is called Aprameya. Aprameya, the one who cannot be defined or explained. Thank goodness you told us on the very sixth shloka. What the heck are we doing here sitting trying to understand the Lord? It is like saying that you cannot define or you cannot tune to the radio waves through your sense of ears or eyes or nose or tongue or touch. Those instruments are not qualified to tune into the radio waves. You need a totally different instrument for it. Similarly, when we start searching for Paramatma, when we start searching for the Lord, what do we do? We start with the known factors. We start with the known factors that we start with trying to see where God is. And various Mahatmas, whether it is Hindu, whether it is Sufi, whether it is wherever, they have always claimed, they have always said that God is not in the temple, is not in the church, is not in the mosque. If you are trying to search for, it can be one place wherein you all congregate to tune and learn to tune to that divine. But to say that God alone is there alone would be a blasphemy. Because you are trying to restrict that all-pervading truth to one limited space called place of worship. So, we start through that. Then we start searching in different pilgrimages. 
for each religion there are there are different pilgrimages we start searching for lord then some say that uh, you know, i have found it nowhere i have gone to the himalayas i have gone to makkah i have gone to jerusalem wherever i have not found god there so where can you find that god the very process the attempt to find god through the known means is a futile effort we cannot find god through these known means because you cannot perceive god you cannot see god you cannot feel god you cannot touch god why because god is not the the god cannot be perceived through these agencies because god is not physical god is not a sound to be heard god is not you know an object to be seen okay can we feel god you know when we get to certain places we we feel that serenity we feel that peace we are you know overpowered with that that also is quite temporary you know many people come to the ashram and say swami ji oh so blissful so peaceful inside here and when they come for the spiritual retreats to the ashram and try staying there for more than 2 days and it was serene till then by the third day do you have a newspaper around here do you have a, a tv channel connection somewhere so just as a teaser i asked him what are you searching for and these days you know tv or newspaper have become old so they you know earlier when a guest would come in to our house you know you would give them towel and the toiletries and a bedroom and uh, the first thing that the guest asks and you also give the guest this is our wireless code <laughs> for the wifi password because you want to be connected so that you know where the stocks are what the news is what is happening where what happened to that serenity by third day you start losing interest in it so to say that god is a feeling god must be pretty fleeting a fleeting sense of experience because sometimes i feel in one direction sometimes i feel in another direction so let left to only our feelings we would not be able to perceive god as a constant in our life of experience in a day how many feelings do we go through countless too many and to say that god is just a feeling feeling is the realm of mind or what colloquially we call as heart vedanta we call it as mind so i think i understand god 
Now, understanding is a conceptual realm. Wherein, God cannot be a concept. Why? The concepts keep changing. He cannot be just mere concept. Because concept, when you boil it down to its uh, nitty-gritty details, it is nothing but a thought. God is not restricted to a thought. So what is God? He said, Aprameyaha. Prama means to measure. Aprameyaha, immeasurable. Cannot be perceived, cannot be quantified through the sense of perception, through the feeling, through the thought or through the concept. Because it is not a concept. Most of our experience can be put in two kinds of experiences. One is called Pratyaksha. Pratyaksha, Aksha means eyes. Pratyaksha means right in front of our eyes. Is there something distracting the speaker today? Yes, these laddus here. Why, how can you say that? Pratyaksha, I can see them. I can smell them. So, Pratyaksha, there is something in front of you and then you start, you can say that, you know, this is what is the description of it. Can you see God that way at this moment? Can you see God that way? So, it is not in the realm of Pratyaksha. The second means is called Anumana. Anumana meaning inferential. You infer. The classic example taken in the studies of Vedanta is wherever there is smoke, what does it indicate? Fire. Once in a fifth grade class, I asked the same question to explain this concept. It's a very abstract topic to talk with a fifth grader. So I tried explaining it. I said, wherever there is smoke, so immediately the kid said, there must be a cigarette. Fine. That is what is his experience. He must have seen somebody so constantly that the first thing that clicks in his head is that smoke and cigarette go together. That is also inferred. For somebody who is constantly worshipping at an altar, wherever there is smoke, he would say either there is a havan or there is a agarbati. For somebody who is who is working as a firefighter, wherever there is smoke, he will say there is danger. Then these are the inferred knowledge. Like early in the morning you wake up, usually the sprinkler system wets the grass and waters the plants. 
but that day the other the other, other parts of the floor the front porch or the backyard that was also wet and there were puddles of water here and there you slept through you did not know what happened but when you see that mass of water gathered what do you infer either it must have rained or some pipe must have broken that is your inference god is not a effect to infer about god now these are the effects right whatever we are seeing the smoke or the water or the puddle of water these are the effects god is not an effect to infer about therefore all our present day means prama also means means apramaya that to which there is no valid means as we know of today aprameya <clears throat> so when we don't have something which can be inferred or something which can be uh, you know directly experienced what do we do we then take the next best possible what is the next best possible we use the word called upamana upamana meaning a simile like for example in today's world it has become easy when you have to go pick somebody in the at the airport and you have never seen them never met them never uh, you just have to go pick them up so these days it is very easy you just have to forward them the photograph and you look at the photograph identify and say, hey i have come for you or if it is pre arranged in such a way that your photograph also is exchanged with them so that fellow is also looking out for you and you are also looking out for them then when your eyes meet and you have a smile last time when i went to india i saw a new trend was it in india one of the airports i was stepping out there was an ipad <laughs> instead of a paper board there was an ipad and as i was crossing it the it has a timing right after 30 seconds or 40 seconds it went blank so i told him hey yours has gone blank oh and then he turned it on again you identify so when you go to identify somebody that you have never met there is a description given he is tall about 6 foot 6 foot 2 inches he is dark first of all it is he tall and the range is given 6 foot to 6 foot 2 inches he is dark he is bald he wears a mustache and you know he he weighs about you know 250 300 pounds okay. so now you go there stand there all the women are filtered why you going to pick him all those who are 
less than that range. Because you are now looking for 6 foot 2. All those who come below that range are filtered. Even those who come into that range, they have to be dark. You find couple of them dark. But they are not bald. You find couple of them bald. But not everybody is wearing a moustache. You find the two or three of them who are tall, who are dark, who are uh, wearing a moustache. Only one of them is on the heavier side. He is a full grown personality. He is not thin. He is about 260 to 300 pounds. And then you go step in front. And you have to do the final confirmation, right? You cannot snatch their bag and say, hey, come on, follow. As you go stand in front of, approach and say, I have been sent by such and such. Oh yeah, I have been, thanks for coming. And you introduce each other and you usher them out. So how did you identify that person? You have been given certain similes and you have been told what, by giving those similes, you have also been described what that person is not. So, to negate everything else that which it is not, is called na iti, not this. And to identify that that person is this, it has to fit into that description. <coughs> The upamana is the next step. Even that upamana cannot be of any help to identify God. Why? Because he does not have any qualities. There are no attributes to describe. It's very difficult now. So they say that the only method left is the process of neti. All that which we know, I mean, this is where many of the uh, neo philosophers they get really ticked off at Vedanta. They say that all that which we know, you say is not. All that which we don't know, you say is God. It's not fair. That because of which all these different attributes are cognized, that illumining principle alone, you may name that illumining principle as God. And that is what we are all searching for. If you are searching for the right thing in a wrong place, will you ever get it? So you have all intention and all intensity and all purity of thought, but you are searching it in a wrong place. Right at the ashram corner, as I was coming for the yagna, there was this elderly lady 
you know, she was in the lawn seriously doing something. And as I was heading to my lecture, I did not want to get you know, disturbed. So I went, did my lecture and I was coming back. And even at 9 o'clock, she was still in the lawn doing something. So I stepped in. So I asked her, uh, hey, what happened? So she said, I lost my keys. And my husband is not in town. How do I get in home? So I am searching for them. So I said, poor lady, she has to get back home. Without keys, she cannot. So I also start searching for it. Every grass of blade was checked. And since it was in the ashram premises, in that corner, uh, there, those who had come to attend the lecture, they also saw that the Swamiji is searching for something, they also stepped in. One of them intelligently asked this lady, Hey, what exactly are you searching for? It keys. Where did you lose them or forget them? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember where I lost them. Then where? We were all expecting, you know, right that spot where it must have fallen or something. So she says, oh, that was in that corner. But since there is no light there, I said, I might as well search where there is light. You know, the street light was beaming there. And we felt pretty fooled. It was not a April 1st prank. And we all went with our flashlights and today's, you know, the cell phones are less of a talking gadget and more of everything else. So we turned on all our lights in that and then we searched and finally found it. If we search for the right thing in the wrong place, we would of course be disappointed. Because the very effort is defeated right in the beginning. The means is wrong, the process is wrong, and the place where we are searching is wrong. Would we ever find it? Therefore, because of all these different limitations that we search God through, God is often indicated as Aprameya. Aprameya, that which cannot be identified, that which cannot be defined, that which cannot be known through the existing means that we have. Therefore, he is that Paramatma or that Lord is recognized as Aprameya. Now, another angle to look at it is, Prama means measurement. You can measure something in terms of various things, in terms of pounds, in terms of uh, the pressure, in terms of the force, in terms of various things that you can measure. But since this Paramatma, the Lord has no attributes, it is immeasurable. Therefore, the realization of that Paramatma cannot be in percentages. You know, I have been meditating on the Lord for past 6 years. I have realized that Lord 23%. Another 77% and I am realized. You cannot do it in percentages. 
either you know that lord or you don't because it is not an in between measured quantified experience so gurudev often used to say god defined is defiled anything that you used to define god is actually defiling that god aprameyah moving forward <clears throat> you get the concept of aprameyah right i went deliberately into various meanings various aspects of it hrishikeshah aprameyo hrishikeshah so whenever they talk about keshava or hrishikeshaha they are talking about one particular form of vishnu who had come in the form of bhagwan krishna he was tall dark bluish hue handsome with long beautiful curly hair hrishi Keshaha. Keshaha means hair. Hrishi means curly. Now he did not have to use curls to get that curly hair. Right from the young age, he was always described as the dark, handsome, curly-haired one. Hrishi ka. Hrishi Keshaha. the one who had that beautiful dark curly hair you know when you have hair and it totally redefines your face and when you start losing it it, it totally redefines you again i am not picking anybody in specific that is why we tend to redefine by getting that hair back bhagwan always had dark hair curly dark hair which added a beauty to his entire face there is one beautiful uh, bhajan by surdas there he describes young bhagwan krishna because his uh, form of krishna that he loved was bala krishna bala krishna a young krishna a child form of krishna who was not even able to walk on his you know two legs he would crawl around you know have those baby krishna with the butter or laddu in his hand that form <clears throat> so he describes that chhabi that beauty of that krishna he says when that krishna his face is like a lotus neela kamala neela kamala usually the neela kamala is the one when it it grows during the night time the moon's light is when it opens up unlike the other lotuses which open up during the day time so bhagwan's color is also often painted in blue color you know bhagwan krishna bhagwan rama yeah 
he is also in blue color in the same complexion the Danila Kamal is also in the same color but the nectarine quality of that Neela Kamala is so intense that these bumblebees line up to suck on its nectarine quality so he describes that comparison he says Bhagavan Krishna's face is illumining like a Neela Kamala a blue lotus because of the color and his curly hair falling onto his face looks like the bumblebee jumping onto the lotus trying to suck the nectar what a beautiful description the comparison and simile there so that curly hair here is described as Hrishi Keshaha second meaning of this word is Hrishika Rishika means the organs of perception and action, all the instruments. Ishaha, Ishaha, the lord of all these sense perceptions. We have three categories. One is called the organs, Indriyaha, Mana, Buddhi. If you expand them, total of ten organs. Five organs of perception, five organs of action. One mind, one intellect. How many total? Twelve of them. Ten organs, one mind, one intellect. Krishi Kesha means the one who is illumining, the one who because of whose presence these faculties work in their independent field without whose presence these faculties do not function can a dead body smell i am not talking about the smell that we smell of the dead body no, i am not talking about that as a dead body can the dead body smell or does the dead body have Taste, does a dead body have uh, hunger or thirst? Yeah, good answer. He said, we don't know. But at least we can infer. And there is a dead body and all of them are, you know, all over that place. The dead body doesn't scream and say, hey, give me a little space, man. Let that air blow in. It's too hot here. They are crying and in between they will go have a cup of tea and come back and then again start crying. The dead body never demands. You know, I have been lying here for a while, can you get me a cup of coffee or tea? A triple espresso. You know. There is no hunger or thirst. So that because of which these faculties function. In Kenopanishad it is said... There is a very beautiful question that the student asks. The very first mantra of that shloka comes in the form of 
क्वेश्चन केना देर फोर इट इज कॉल्ड केन ओपनिशन केना इंस्पायर्ड बाय होम डज द माइंड फंक्शन इन इट्स फील्ड एज इट इज फंक्शनिंग इंस्पायर्ड बाय होम दैट द आईज और द इयर्स और द स्पीच फंक्शन इन देयर रेस्पेक्टिव फील्ड Without whose presence there is no movement in these organs. Bhagwan Ramana Maharshi gives a very good example. Once a businessman, he has heard enough about. You now, whenever we hear of such great mahatmas, we would say, "Let me go try my luck. Maybe I'll get realized." And we hear the stories of Swami Vivekananda and Ramakrishna Paramahamsa. Yogananda and his guru Yukteswar Maharaj, you know, they touched and there was some kind of a sudden uh, transformation. So this businessman also thought, you know, we have heard of him quite a bit. Let me go. So he took a day off, booked his train to Tiruvannamalai, and uh, booked his return ticket as well. So he quickly reached. He had only one day. He was a busy businessman. So he went, and there was a crowd sitting, and he pushed himself through that crowd, sat right in front of Bhagwan Ramana Maharshi, and he said, "Bhagwan, I have come here with sole purpose to realize. Come on, quickly tell me." So Bhagwan looked at him for a long time. I am told he. was a man of really very few words he would not speak that much only when required so he looked at him and he smiled he didn't say much i'm waiting so he said you are not qualified for that stage yet you know what a busy businessman i am how successful i am Where I have, I have put my foot. I have always had success in my life. Do you think I cannot achieve this? Try me. Whatever is your process, just come on. Try me. I will be successful. Show me God. I want to realize now itself. So Bhagwan looked at him and again, and he always had that tilt in his head. He was always. So he looked at him again, and then, okay, since you are asking, this is God, and he started moving his finger for ten, fifteen minutes. So this person was like, you know, looking from top, bottom, angles, from you know, from where he was sitting. He got up, he went behind Ramana Maharshi to check, you know, maybe the angle is something different. He tried every which way. Bhagwan, after ten ten minutes of this effort, looked at that person and he said, "Did you see God?" I said, "Wait a second. Are you pulling a fast one on me? To get rid of me, you are just playing this some trick on me, right? Because you pointed at nothing. It was just your finger moving here and there, and I searched at every angle that it was trying to point. There was no God." Bhagwan said, "Did I not tell you that you are not yet ready for it? You are not qualified for it yet. 
They said, you are a bogus. I have really heard a lot about you, but you are bogus. You are just playing tricks here. Because all that you showed was a pointing a finger and you said you showed God. So, Bhagavan then spoke. He said, if I cut my finger and throw it down, do you think that finger will move? That because of whose presence the finger is moving. That is called God. I was not trying to point at something. As you know, this is the thing that you know is called God. I was trying to prove a point that the, everything that moves, everything that happens, that because of which it happens, that is called consciousness or God. And that conscious principle is called Krishika Isha. You have ten organs of perception, action, one mind, one intellect. Would it be an exaggeration to say that none of them are under our control? Neither the organs of perception nor the organs of action, never was a mind, it's always a challenge. Intellect has its own swings. Would it be an exaggeration to say that we have absolutely no control over these 12 elements? Not having a control over these 10 or these 12 different things that we just talked about. And we want to be the boss of this entire universe. We are not boss of our own self. Our own instruments don't listen to us. A little headache and our mood is gone. A little word or a nod by somebody and our, our appetite is killed. Yeah, I thought you were hungry. No, that person did not look at me and smile or even even acknowledge my presence. I don't feel like eating. Somebody's you know, acknowledgement can uh, destroy your appetite. To have that ability to master these ten and keep them accessibly in balance. When I, when I use the word control, it almost feels like you are squeezing the life out of it. No. It has to be accessible and it has to be yet to be in balance. That which maintains it in balance, that conscious principle, that life spark is called Rishika Ishaha, the lord of the senses. <clears throat> there are various other meanings but they are extrapolated from this word. But I think these two or three meanings would be sufficient for us to meditate on that concept of Hrishikesha. Aprameyo Hrishikeshaha Padmanabho Amaraprabhuhu 
this particular shloka of Vishnu Sahasranama became quite popular, rather quite controversially popular. This is in the Krishna temple in our Kerala, Guruvayur. In Guruvayur, at the same time, there were these two great masters, great realized people. One was Narayana Nambudri. He was an erudite scholar. He is the one who has composed Narayaniyam. And the second one, during the same time period, was a great saint called Pundanam. Pundanam was not a great uh, erudite scholar, he did not know Sanskrit, he did not know any of this. So one day he was singing Vishnu Sahasranama in front of Guruvayur Krishna. And as he was singing, the meaning of this particular word, he was interpreting it as Padmanabha Maraprabhu. Maram or Mara in Tamil and in Malayalam I think. We have Malayalis here, we will ask them. What does Mara mean? Tree. So, he was interpreting it as the lord of all these plants. You know, all the herbs and plants and trees and shrubs and the lord of all these. So, Nara and Nambudri got angry. He said, you idiot. That is not how it is interpreted. It is not Maraprabhu, it is Amaraprabhu, the Lord of the Immortals. It is said that right at that time, a voice from the inner core of the temple, resounding in the entire, revibrating in the entire temple, reprimanded Narayan Namudri, saying, I love his bhakti than your vibhakti. Vibhakti is the Sanskrit grammar. Trying to focus on the Sanskrit grammar. I love his bhakti, meaning devotion, rather than the Sanskrit grammar that you are trying to force yourself on him. So that is how this became a very famous shloka in that uh, divine temple of Guruvayur. Anyway, we will proceed with the next word. Padmanabha. Padmanabha. There are, I think, three or four famous temples with this. Two of them are really big ones. One temple which depicts Lord Narayana in the form of Padmanabha is in Trichy. Trichy is Padmanabha Swami. The main temple, Sri Ranganatha. And the second one is in, again, Kerala. Today I think I am talking too much about Kerala. Maybe your presence. <clears throat> so recently they found, about six to eight months ago, that the, somewhere inner chambers of the temple, they have, that to first chamber I think, 
there are more than few chambers, there are three chambers, four chambers. So, three have been opened and they have found an amazing amount of wealth, different kinds of you know, precious stones, gold, ornaments, meant for the welfare of the temple. It was hidden. So, in the internet there was this joke which was going around that he is now called the richest god in India, Padmanabha. Now, the joke is, both are the formats of Vishnu. One is Venkateshwara, Tirupati Balaji. He is also another rich god because of the number of devotees that go. So, there is a dialogue between Padmanabha and Venkateshwara. So, this Balaji, Tirupati, Venkateshwara, he is always standing. Padmanabha is always sleeping on the serpent. So, Venkateshwara says, man, you beat me to it. I stood and I was so hard working at, you know, raising these funds. You beat me to it by sleeping? So, Padmanabha is that famous... Uh, form of the Lord, wherein the Lord is sleeping on the serpent, bed of the serpent, Sesha Shai. And where is this serpent? Where is this entire setup? It is in the Kshira Sagar, the milky ocean. And how is the Lord? He is lying down with one arm under his head and one hand on his knee and right from his navel is a Padma, Padma Nabha means that from whose navel the uh, lotus and in that lotus is this Brahmaji, the creator with the four heads. So, I call him the quad processor. We have single processor, he has quad processor, four heads. Faster than because he requires to maintain, create this universe at a pace to maintain it. So, that Brahmaji is born. And right at his feet is Lakshmiji. This is the, the usual description of Padmanabha. It's a very unique description. And for a modern mindset, when you look at this form of God, you right away you disqualify. How can there be a lotus suddenly born from the navel? And that to the creator is sitting there. When we go to the Dhyana Shlokas, the meditative Shlokas of this particular Vishnu Sahasranama, there comes these two Shlokas in the Dhyana Shloka. Kshiro Dhanvat Pradeshe Shuchimani Vilasat Saikate Moktikanam Mala Kluptasanasthas Phatika Mani Nibhair Moktikair Manditanga Shubhraira Bhraidara Bhraidu Parivirachitair Muktapi Yusha Varshaihi 
ಆನಂದೀನ ಪುನೀಯಾದ್ ಅರಿನಲಿನಗದ ಶಂಕಪಾ ನಿರ್ಮುಕುಂದ ಭೂಪಾದೌಯಸ್ಯನಾಭಿರ್ ವಿಯದಸುರನಿಲಶ್ಚಂದ್ರ ಸೂರ್ಯೌ ಚ ನೇತ್ರೆ ಭೂಪಾದೌ ದಟ್ ಈಸ್ ದಿ ಸೆಂಟೆನ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಟು ಪಿಕ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಿ ಧ್ಯಾನ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ಇಫ್ ದಟ್ ಪರಮಾತ್ಮ ಆರ್ ದಟ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಹೂ ಇಸ್ ಅಟ್ರಿಬ್ಯೂಟ್ಲೆಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಅವರ್ ಇಮ್ಯಾಜಿನೇಷನ್ ಫಾರ್ ಅವರ್ ಪರ್ಪಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಟ್ಯೂನಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ಟು ದಟ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ವಿ ಗಿವ್ ದಟ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಅ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಅ ಕಾಸ್ಮಿಕ್ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಭೂಪಾದವ್ his feet can be imagined as the earth yasya nabhi viyadasura nilas chandra suryau cha netre his nabhi his mid portion which is the uh, stomach where the nabhi is what is it is it the entire space of this cosmos is his stomach or the the navel now where can the creation happen creation can happen only when there is the availability of space space is that akasha meaning avakashat akasha that which allows everything to happen in it that which allows it is called space we have built this building in the space with the activity that we do in we call it a, a temple adjacent there is another building just adjacent building and another building built in the space here we work on minds there they work on the internals of the car both are repair sections one repairs on mind the other repairs on the car when they were when we were trying to purchase this place people said some it is all businesses around you know there is car shop body shop here on this side and there is another uh, car mechanic on the next and uh, do you think it is right i said it is a perfect suiting our needs because we are also in the repair business they also repair one repairs the outer part one repairs the inner part we repair the the innermost part and we fine tune all these different spaces whatever is the activity done in that space is because that space allows that room to be built in space is that which allows and in that space is where the creation occurs and who is the creator creator is brahma ji and that brahma ji coming into that space even when the mother conceives 
where does the mother conceive where is the space for that it is in the garbha in the uterus where is it right there those of you who are sitting in the chair there is a challenge for you are you up for a challenge immediate you know practical test and today we have six of you sitting so i thought so please put your foot down sit straight you may lean on to the back that's fine put your hands on the knees make sure that there is no pressure from your hands on the knees right is the criteria clear now the last criterion is stand up without bending forward i wish i had my wallet i would have challenged you with the 100 bucks it doesn't matter you cannot get up without leaning forward because the center of gravity has to be moved and where is that center of gravity right here in the navel similarly for the symbolic idea paramatma's navel if imagine visualized as a form is the center for the entire creation and that is the spot for brahma ji to come about and create this beautiful creation therefore he is in the nabhi and the one who holds this in that space is called padmanabh now this is at a macrocosmic level now at a microcosmic level where is this milky ocean the milky ocean is our own mind with constant waves of thoughts and who is the serpent serpent is the intellect who is constantly watching everything guiding everything that is happening and how should that intellect be the intellect is when I mean, if you look at the sesha it is turned inward it has to turn within towards its own source its own source of illumination within in such environment in such space there is that creative surge that creative surge is called brahma that brahma who expresses out with the antakarana which is his four heads four aspects of antakarana and with these four interacting in today's world we would call it um, the operating system 
the interface to interact with the world outside. With these four elements, we interact with the world outside. With these gone into its unmanifest form in deep sleep, though the organs of perception, action and everything are available, they are not functioning in that field interacting because the interacting agency, that creative surge, is not put into use or practice. It has been withdrawn. Now, all these function because of that Paramatma, that conscious principle which is seated right in our own heart or mind. Such one is called Padmanabha. So, when we meditate in the meditation shlokas, they say Padmanabham Suresham Vishwadharam Gagana Sadrasham Meghavarnam Shubhangam Lakshmi Kantam Kamalanayanam Yogi Hridhyanagamnyam Vande Vishnum Bhava Bhayaharam Sarva Lokaikanatham. So, there we are indicating this microcosmic meditation on that conscious principle within, symbolically speaking. This is the symbolism behind the Padmanabha. Padmanabha, Amaraprabhu, Amaraprabhu, <clears throat> in order to run this world, there are these immortal deities which we may recognize as the natural forces of this universe. Air, fire, water, all these natural forces have been imagined or visualized as deities. Now, they are eternal. Therefore, they are Amara. <coughs> Right from the beginning of the creation till the end of the creation, they continue. Therefore, they are called Amara. Meaning, they have a longer span than us all. Now, all these Amara, Devas of the Swarga, headed by Indra, what do they do? They work according to the dictums churned by that Paramatma. So, each one of these function in their own field without transgressing and do their job meticulously. Now, the sun, whether we see the sunrise or not, whether we see the sunset or not, when we do something really good, and that for whom we are doing it does not pay attention. Loved ones, near ones, dear ones. Mother cooks food for the entire family. Everybody eats. Nobody even says thanks to that mother. One day, that which has been cooked did not turn out good. Everybody starts complaining. And that was not the entire course. One aspect of it did not turn out good. 
you had four or five courses of meal and there was one course which went bad. Everybody starts cribbing. Immediately the mother says, I cook every day, nobody even, you know, compliments. And today one thing goes bad and you are complaining. So you do a lot of things and for that whom you are doing, these are at least, you know, eating it. They don't even pay attention. How do you feel? You don't, don't you feel neglected? Especially when you are doing it with that intention that, you know, it will help the other person and that person does not even recognize. So what would it inspire us to do? Inspire us to stop working. To heck with it. They don't pay attention. They don't even value what I am doing. They have taken me for granted. I will stop doing all this. If this logic be applied, who are these gods? Why? They should have been the most pathetic ones. Every day the sun rises. And with the sunrise, he brings an amazing spectrum onto that beautiful sky. Such amazing beauty that he brings about. How many of us even look at that sunrise? It's for the entire humanity, right? How many of us have the opportunity or time to enjoy, bask in that beautiful sunrise? Let's take, how many of you here have the opportunity to watch the sunrise? The air goes in and out every single moment. Do you ever stop to thank? Thank you air for supplying me with good oxygen. There are all these natural forces, they function tirelessly. Right from the creation beginning till the end. And they do their job meticulously as ordained by the Lord in their laws that they function in their field day in and day out. Amara Prabhu, the Lord of all these natural forces, the one who maintains them in constant check and balance so that the entire humanity benefits out of Therefore, he is called Amara Prabhu. Why did he create these gods? He said, Vishwakarma. The next line, Vishwakarma. Vishwakarma, <clears throat> because he has created this entire world. How has he created this entire world? In order to create this entire world, there are three different components required. So supposing you make bread, what are the three things that you require? 
So you need little east, little west, little north, little south. Oh, it is a different east. So the east, then the water, can they all be put in one category? Material. Material is required. To make bread, there is a material required. Now you can have various combinations of these material. There is the flour required, there is salt, there is a little, you know, if you are making a fukasha bread. What is that? It's an Italian variety. So you need little spices in it. It is not a sweet bread. It is not a sandwich bread. If you are making a sordo bread, material changes. You get the point. So you assemble all the material. Just the materials by themselves, do they mix by themselves and start making a bread out of themselves? No. There is a intelligent cause required to put them in correct proportions, right proportions. Sometimes it happens. Usually they are good cooks. And sometimes when I go, I think it is my prarabdha, my fate. That when I go, when I am invited and I go, I taste something and I tell I said, the salt has dropped its price. Why? It has become so cheap that you have put so much in plenty. So, if one, one of the items has too much of salt, then I quickly test and check the other items which could have salt. Usually what happens? One of them is missing that salt. They thought that it, it already has salt and they put two times into one rather than distributing it. The next intelligent thing to do is mix both of them <laughs> to create a new dish and you know, balance the salt out. Sometimes it happens, you know, on ingredient, less or more. Especially in baking, you have to be careful. Why? A little ingredient proportion going here and there. You know, after the entire uh, thing is done, you will find lumps of unbaked stuff in between. It doesn't taste good. So, you need the right intelligence to mix them in appropriate proportions. So, you need material as a cause. You need the intelligence as a cause. And the third one, whether you make it in, bake it in an oven or make it in a, uh, what do you call that? Bread maker. You need an instrumental cause. You need an instrument. You need three things. So, when I started talking about three things, it was not three types of materials that all can be categorized into one material cause. Then the intelligent cause, those that which knows how to use it. I mean, how about it? You know, we automate the process. Even for the automated process, there needs to be that intelligence behind which can turn it on and at the right time turn it off. 
you still need that intelligent God. And then there is the instrument. Is the logic clear so far? So if we take this three into account, and now when we look at the entire creation, <clears throat> and if we were to imagine that this entire creation was created from a material, so there is always a fear. Because how much bread can you make? As much as there is a flower. So one day there will be all this material depleted. After that there will be no more creation. So there are various levels of laws. So the Hindu scriptures have said that Paramatma is all three causes himself. Technical word for it is Abhinna Nimitta Upadana Karana. He is the, in a simple words in English, he is the material cause, he is the instrumental cause and he is the very intelligent cause. So what does it imply? That the entire material of this world that we see is nothing but an expression, an expansion of that Paramatma alone, that Lord alone. Because it, the material with which this world is created is not something other than Him. It is himself in a modified form. And he being the instrument as well as the intelligence in creating this, therefore we in our tradition and culture, we worship every aspect of this creation as divine. Whether it is a stone, whether it is a tree, whether it is the river or a mountain, everything, every creature, every being, sentient or insentient, is worship worthy. Because it is essentially that divinity alone in different modifications. Therefore, he is called Vishwakarma. <clears throat> Now, how do we thank that Lord for creating such a beautiful world? I said, Manuhu. So, Gurudev very beautifully puts it. He says, what we have is His gift unto us. What we do with what we have is our gift unto Him. So, unto him, let us give us our best. So, Manuhu, meaning the one who is expressing as the very mantras. Mantra meaning, Mananat Trayate. That process by which we contemplate on these various aspects of 
the Lord, especially through this particular part of Vishnu Sahasranama, so that we tune ourselves unto that divinity which is everywhere around us. So, where is God? He is not somewhere up there in some high skies sitting there. He is not in the cloud technology. <laughs> now it is a new thing in, right? Everything is in clouds. He is not somewhere up there. In everything that we interact and everything that is interacting and that which is the interaction, every aspect of it is that divinity alone. That aspect which is being explained in the mantras, therefore that mantra is also called Manu. So he becomes all three, the goal, the means and the one who is aspiring to reach the goal. All three become one and the same. Therefore, he is called Manuhu. Moving forward, Tvashta Vishwakarma Manus Tvashta Stavishthasthavirodhruvaha. So, the next word for discussion is Tvashta. The one. <coughs> Who has this amazing capacity to reduce anything with its huge grossness to an unmanifest minute form. So he is the Tvashta. Tvashta meaning the one who can reduce the entire mass, entire material into a minute unmanifest form. We do that at dinner table, right? There is a huge table filled with things. We do swaha, say aha, and it becomes one with us. And when it becomes one with us, that huge mass, what has it turned into? It has become unmanifest we do it at a very gross level that who can change the entire grossness into the minutest subtle here twashta is also recognized as that divine inspiration wherein he transforms the grossness of the intellect into such subtlety that we end up experiencing that Paramatma. Now the word experience is not a right word there, but there is no other uh, word which can take us closer to what that word experience can mean. Because when I say experience, there are three entities again. The experiencer, the experienced and the experience in between, the interaction in between. So, it is not with that kind of a difference of experience that we are talking. 
it is with becoming one with that conscious principle. The one who enables us to become that subtle from the grossness of our existence to become conscious wherein every moment of our life we live consciously. There is not a moment that goes by wherein I have to regret for something or feel guilty about something. Not because I am callous. It is because I have become so conscious that no moment goes by without my conscious observation and participation. And when you are conscious, there is no room for making a mistake. That one who inspires us from within to reach to that subtle level of conscious existence is called Tvashta. Sthavishtaha. <clears throat> See, immediately once saying that the one who is taking the gross to the subtle, he is also the one who brings subtle to the gross at ease. Meaning this entire creation which was in its subtlest unmanifest form, the one who expresses it in such a way that I can see, feel, touch this entire world, that it becomes a part of my experience, that grossness is called sthavishtaha. Now when both these aspects are explained from subtle to gross and gross to subtle, there seems to be a lot of movement. But in that Lord, there is absolutely no movement. Sthavirodhruvaha He is that firm truth. Though seems to be supporting these kinds of different transformation, Paramatma himself does not get transformed at all. That who stays permanent without any modifications. Thaviro Dhruvaha. These many words we have meditated upon. I did not expect that when we started we would cover 54 words. But we have already seen through 54 great pointers towards that divine. And next month we will continue with the next set of pointers. <clears throat> Om Purnamadaha Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasishyate Om Shant Shant Shantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om